Hello, and welcome to People Keep Dying, the podcast where we talk about people who die. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Angela. All right. So uh, I didn't get to set the didn't get to say this because you like just went right into the last episode. Um, but I actually saw a dead body on my way here today. What? You did? <laughs> yes. And I wanted to make it be a part of like now I'm now our podcast is legal and it saw a dead body. Um, yeah, no, it really was. It was someone coming out on a gurney. Someone oh. died in some house and uh they just they were bringing the gurney out and i was like that's unsettling as i'm about to go talk about a murder <laughs> i mean i seen a dead body on the floor of the streets when i was in compton once Ooh. but i don't know if it was dead it was just very lifeless oh and maybe Probably. it was a mannequin no it was, it de- it was definitely like a mannequin. A, it was definitely a person uh i've seen a lot of uh i shouldn't say i've seen a lot of dead bodies i've seen a few dead bodies uh but the most gruesome one i ever saw was in a car accident and like the dude's arm was like on the ground and there was That's, blood everywhere how did you see that uh because i was two cars back from this gigantic accident oh my gosh. and i saw the person running over to the car and like opened up the door and the dude's arm just fell to the That's ground so crazy i oh was my gosh. <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't sound like 17 or 18 no like <laughs> listen there were people who like get so excited about seeing dead bodies i was just like this is horrible i me and my selfishness my whole day is ruined like <laughs> never mind the person that just died or their family or anything like that but it was like yeah i will never be able to get like i can still very visually see like the blood splatter on, on the like the front dash all the broken glass and then the door opening and the arm falling off the dude onto the ground. so crazy. And it was just... I wonder what happened for his arm to fall off. I don't... Just... You know, like... Some... Like, in my mind, I think, like... You know when you sit with your arm sort of out the window? Like, yeah. my... Maybe it was a situation oh, like that and then... And then, if, like, a ripped yeah, out somehow. Like, yeah, but it was inside the car, so. Yeah, but they... Like, I don't... Maybe it fell down. Like, yeah. I don't fucking I just, know. The yeah. arm came off. It was just... That's so crazy. The most insane thing. That was probably the most gruesome thing I've ever seen. I've never seen anything get that gruesome, ever. But... I don't think. Other than that, it's just mostly been, like, you know gurneys and people with like sheets over their faces and like, i'm sure i've oh. seen a lot of people die on like those fail videos which i t- <laughs> man i watched one last night that like just rocked me to my core that's nick's favorite kind of video is he loves fail videos and i can't yeah. watch some of them because i'm like i can't it hurts it hurts i feel physical pain I when i see someone else hurt and it's just like just, just like yeah when like someone crushes themselves you need to add in the three seconds just, after where you just see you just need to show me that they got oh, up i know just Please. show me that like they're speaking to you and they're just so alive one of my best my favorite ones is the girl who's on the stripper pole and then she's like going down but then she falls like on her face and then she like she sits up she's like i'm okay i'm okay but then she like touches her face but the camera zooms in and her the she has this horrified look on her face as she starts touching her body to make sure that she's like actually alive that's my favorite one because her face is just so perfect because it's exactly how you would react yeah, to like, did i, I'm okay, I'm okay. Did, did i die and then, and then you have like, this moment of like wait am i am like, i actually okay yeah everyone always has that moment of just like am i alive Am I bleeding? Yeah. Did it break something? Hasn't yeah. quite kicked in. Okay. So um, this this week I'm doing uh, a poisoning. 
Ooh, um, is it a woman? No, surprisingly <gasps> not. Ooh, surprisingly gender it's role not. switch. I know. I was actually really. It was honestly a part of the reason. One of the part of the reasons why I did it was because like guys don't normally poison. Guys don't normally poison like this. Yes. Um, Sometimes to and, like disable someone, they'll poison them so they can do yeah. other stuff to them. And I don't necessarily know if you would consider this poisoning or sedating. I sort of feel like he was doing a little bit of both. Well, anyways, no spoilers. But I came across this story because um, I had come across a different article uh, about a uh, writer, a European uh, author, uh, Sherilyn Kenyon, who uh, writes for the Deadman Cross uh, series. And uh, she had released a uh, monthly newsletter, which she always does. And um, in this, she like basically outs the fact that last year uh, when she had gotten really sick, um, her husband had been poisoning her. And oh, I think uh, I did yeah. read this actually. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I talked to you a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had been poisoning her really slowly, and he had had been paying off like the maids because this woman was successful and she was rich. Yes, I did People remember the had story. Been tampering yep. with her food, um, and luckily she her she eventually started out with her doctors, and then she found out, and now she's going through this process because. Her husband, uh, they're clearly trying to get a divorce and her husband's trying to get claim to everything. Well, he tried to kill her. Yeah, trying to kill her for her money. Um, and now he's trying to take her money uh, by taking like her copyrights and stuff like that and oh saying that like, well, I'm married to you, so I'm owed all this different stuff. And Well, he tried I, to kill yeah, her, so yeah. no longer. Well, that's how I look at it. But yes. while uh, reading about this lady, I came across another lady who wasn't as lucky mm didn't survive um, that and uh wasn't as lucky in the situation so we're going to talk about helen bailey and helen bailey was born in pontland which is a village in north humberland england and as a young girl she began writing in her diary re- regularly talking about who did what with whom and her experiences in the world she was a big gossip sort of no she just liked to write about her life okay. and it was more like she her experience in the world was how like how she wasn't a part of anything that was like sort of going on like how like these people are doing in this and uh like she basically talked about how she was had no part of it and it was just how she started writing uh teen angsty stuff uh pretty typical yeah. yeah She attended uh, Thames Polytechnic, which is now called University of Greenwich, uh, for physiology with the intention of becoming a forensic scientist. But right before undertaking her postgraduate at a teaching hospital, she changed her career to work in media and began licensing and marketing campaigns for characters like Rugrats and Garfield, as well as Nintendo and other major motion pictures and TV shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, While working as a temporary secretary, she met John Sinfield, who was the head of a licensing rights company, and the two married in 1996. Helen began to write more and eventually would go on to release five teenage angst books in the crazy world of Electra Brown series. Life at the Shadow End, which was released in 2008, Out of My Depths, Swimming in the Tide, Swimming Against the Tide, Taking the Plunge, Falling Hook, Line, and Sinker, which, I mean, those are all titles of, like, you just, I can just picture the covers. They're, like, rom com yeah. yeah. I love rom com novels, by the way. Like, I love mm-hmm. them, so I get so it. Great. 
in 2010, she was nominated for the Queen of Teen Award uh, by the book people. And she also wrote books for younger children, um, doing like some storybooks. And all in all, she had 22 short stories, picture books, and young adults' fictions published. So she was very successful. Things were looking very good for her. However, in February of 2011, while vacationing in Barbados, her husband drowned while swimming, and Helen was devastated. No, that's so sad. Yes. They had been together for over 22 years, oh my uh, and she went through a very rough grieving period after his death. I don't blame her. That's yeah. so fucking depressing. Uh, and just, like, completely caught off guard. Like, they yeah. were on vacation. I don't... Like... I couldn't imagine like losing my partner now. And I know yeah. you always talk about like what you do if you lose, if you lose Nick, I would go fucking but it's bananas like, crazy. Add another 15 years of you guys together and, and, and even like, more bananas yeah, crazy. Just more. It's yeah. like so heartbreaking. Um, so she had a really rough time afterwards. Uh, she began writing on her blog about her grief and her journey through it, uh, which was described as a painful and companionable account of coming to terms with life without her husband. <laughs> Eventually, she would turn this into her first adult novel called When Bad Things Happen in Good Bikinis, which... Oh, my god! I gosh. love that she took a little humor yeah. in there, but oh, it's yeah. so... Oh, my goodness. Uh, that book was released in 2015, so that was the book was released four years later because I was like she wrote a book within all of this stuff happened within a year after her husband dying. This is really weird. But no, the book was released in 2015. However, okay. in that book, she starts talking about the budding romance that she started with a widower named Ian Stewart that she had begun seeing in October of 2011, which was eight months after her husband passed. I mean, some people grieve differently. Yes, some and people grieve differently. I was very like, that seems really quick. However, Ian Stewart apparently was love bombing oh. uh, this girl. So we're going to go to... And sometimes you just want to get over your yeah. grief and move the fuck on. Sometimes with your grief, you need to have a companion. Like she had a companion for 22 years. She probably didn't know how to be no. on her own. Uh, so we're, no judgment on Helen Bailey. No. Um... So Ian Stewart was a 57-year-old software engineer who studied at Cambridge. Uh, when his wife suddenly died, uh, he quickly moved on after meeting Helen online in a Facebook bereavement group. Attracted by her mass amounts of wealth, he started love bombing her, uh, which is a reference that everybody just kept saying. Love bombing. He loved bombing her. And I was like, what like the hell is that Like doing everything, like, you know, doing all yeah. the big, like, Isn't gestures. It, yeah. It's basically an attempt to influence a person by demonstrating that, like, large amounts of attention and affection onto someone i feel so, like if you have a giant amount yeah. of wealth you should always be you should yes. be wary regardless but, but if you have money not, it's also an extra she was thing. grieving she yeah. was missing her husband and here was this person who was showering her and loving on her and he was probably real good he probably was uh, at being manipulative you um, watch enough of those like yeah. movies and stuff you learn a lot from yeah. them um so uh yeah so he goes after the grieving and lonely Helen and quickly moves into her her home with his two grown-ass sons who are Jamie, who's 24 years old, and Oliver, who's 21 years old, which is just red fucking flags all over the place for me. Uh, before long, Ian had convinced Helen to make him her beneficiary for her $3.3 million, million dollar fortune no uh, which in today's money which i mean it's only been a couple years but is worth nearly four million dollars u.s 
Um, no. If someone's automatically, I'm yeah, not it even. It hasn't even been a year. I'm not even on Nick's life insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> I told him that because I he's am. gonna die after me. Then oh, no, I'm the beneficiary. I told Nick he's gonna die after me, so it doesn't matter. Oh my gosh! <laughs> he, you he, have to have at least a little bit of prudent. He planning. got it before um we got well, yeah. he got it right when we got together so he obviously has like his mom yeah. and stuff his dad i think on there but, but you guys we are just married never now so it. it would go to you anyways we wouldn't we just never changed yeah. it regardless i wasn't i wasn't really worried about it yeah you know no one I in this family everyone is that you in this die family first. is very <laughs> sweet anyways they're not i'm a hundred percent sure no, they would yeah. they wouldn't leave you with nothing but either way i plan on dying with him so it's fine yeah yeah uh i don't think helen planned on dying uh anytime soon no uh, and if she did, she probably would have done it after her husband died. But I mean, regardless. she didn't have any children uh, no. herself. Okay. So on April 11th in 2016, Ian Stewart calls the police and tells them that his fiance, Helen has gone missing. He tells them that she had left earlier on that day to take their dog Boris for a walk and never returned. However, he also stated later that a note had been left behind saying that she was going to go stay at her holiday home in Broadstairs. Could he just have been just happy the fact that he had a sugar mama who's taking care of him? Like, I don't no. understand why he had to do all. Uh, I don't know. Because he wanted her money. But and it's, he, it's he like, still had here's access to it. If you kill her, like if you get, if you leave her alive, she will keep working and keep producing more money. And then you guys can both live a very yeah. wealthy and yeah. happy. She'll think that you know you're not yeah. a terrible person. And but that's not what he wanted. He 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 just wanted the money. That's so, so fucking disgusting. Yeah, uh, but it's so he says that she ran off to the holiday home. That she had left a letter saying that she was going off to the holiday home, but it is later established that she had never been there. Um, and him, Helen's family would later go on to describe her disappearance as out of character because it really wasn't anything that she would do. And the police also found it perplexing. Unfortunately, Helen wasn't able to be located and the trail goes cold. Three months later, the police are still frantically trying to find this woman. Um, and they eventually decide to go back to the house and do an extensive search for anything that would be helpful. Um, and that's when they find a hidden hatch to the cesspit in her garage in her home, which is, um, oh my God, a sewage, sewage container. Oh, okay. 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 So what are those called? I, they, they only refer to them as cesspits. Oh, septic tanks. Sep okay. 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 So there, for whatever reason on this property, there was a second septic tank that was hidden uh, in a garage that mm. now he didn't build it. It was something that was already, already there. That, that's kind but, of weird. Um, her, I guess one day when she, her brother had come by the house and um, she was walking, showing the brother her home, she uh, had pointed out the cesspit and had made a joke about wouldn't it, wouldn't it be, that'd be a really great place to hide a body, mm -hmm. which... That's I the mean, kind of joke I would make. I would make that yeah. joke. I make it's that not, joke all of the yeah. time. Anytime I see someone pulled over on the side of the road, I'm always just like, that person's hiding a body in that forest. Whenever someone is pouring cement on anything, I'm thinking there's a body, in, body there. in there. I'm thinking like you're, just, by, you're hiding a body everywhere. Because we've heard stories about them finding bodies in In things. everything. So that's yeah. why I always assume there's a dead body in everything. It's not... Yeah. yeah. Um... So they find a hidden hatch to a suspect in their garage in her home. And when they lift the lid, they see an arm sticking out of the human excrement and muck. 
Uh, Ian Stewart is then arrested on the spot and brought into custody. A few days later, the police confirmed that the bodies in the septic tanks were Helen and her dog, Boris, and that Ian and Ian was charged on July 16th with the murder and perverting the course of justice and preventing a lawful burial. So why did he have to kill the dog? Because apparently it was to make his story more reliable. Um, She never went anywhere with her dog. Okay. And so if she was going to go missing, the dog has to also go missing. missing. But then, yeah. It was basically to to track his story. I was hoping that all the wealth would go to the dog, but I guess it won't happen anymore. No. But her dog was basically her baby. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, all of her wealth should go to her dog. Yeah. Uh, So he was remanded to custody in in October 12th, 2016. He pleaded not guilty, and his trial began in January of 2017. You know what? He fucking did it. I'm so tired of people being like, I'm not guilty. (laughs) You fucking did it. Don't oof yeah but no no because he's got plans like he thinks that he's gonna be able to talk his way out of this so it turns out that this trash fucking human ian had been drugging helen for at least three months prior to her death and she just wasn't dying zoplaclone sleeping pills Mm mm-hmm so he was sedating her and i i don't know if there's a big difference like i look at that that's poisoning it you is were, poisoning you you're putting, putting something that she didn't know in her body yes. to alter her to her mind um and her mother testified that her daughter had been acting very strangely and that she knew that she was acting strangely she was always complaining about how tired she was on her computer they were finding google searches about why am i sleeping so much how do i stop myself from sleeping um uh, she was spaced out most of the time. There, she uh, had walked out of a supermarket holding on to an item scanner. She had left her dog at a beach one day, which is wow. something that she yeah. never would have done. Uh, Helen had even said that at one point um, she was sitting at her computer and she couldn't even recognize her own hands. And that's when she started to get very concerned. And on top of that, it's like you're not going to suspect this person you think that loves you. Well, the mother was very uneasy about the relationship yes. because it was very like fast. new. It was very fast. And the moms felt, now, this is all coming out in court. So mm-hmm. it's obviously probably a little After tainted. After the fact, yeah. But the mom felt that the husband or that the boyfriend... Uh, was taking advantage of her daughter in her grieving time because like, yeah but he even was if, but so, if, even if he wasn't she might still think yeah. that way because yeah, yeah I, I can see where yeah yeah um so she was already a little bit uneasy about him so the prosecutor stated that ian was sedating her that ian had been sedating her and then suffocated her and the dog before tossing her into the cesspit although they also stated that she may have been alive at the time when she went into um went into it which i they didn't find it in like her lungs maybe and that's why they they just weren't really sure they just said that it was very it was possible that she was still alive when that he was awful um which i just like oh i i just can't um i didn't mention anywhere like necessarily how he killed the dog i i didn't really want to know no um at first, I didn't really understand, like, why I killed the dog, but then I read a later article that said, like, sh- she never went any with it. And that dog. makes sense, yeah. It yeah. makes sense. And because it fed into his story. Um, so prosecutors argued that he killed the dog in an effort to make his his story more credible, that she had left. Uh, um, and while he made every effort to look like a concerned, worried husband, Ian was doing some really shady shit, which luckily is what ended up getting him caught. Good. 
So first and most significantly, Ian had turned on her cell phone the day that she went missing, which they uh, believe was a few days after she had actually died. Uh, and it pinged off the house's Wi-Fi. So if she had gone missing, why is her phone uh, dinging your Wi-Fi? Yep. Unless it's already in the house. Uh, then Ian attempted to use power of attorney to sell property that Ellen owned. Uh, the first time he attempted to do it was the same day he reported her missing Jeez. Uh, by stating that Helen was too unwell to intend in person. And if they could just fax over the signed documents. No. Uh, later, after it had already been established that he was missing, uh, he attempted again to sell some property in order to get some money. Uh, also, on the day of her disappearance, Ian ordered an increase on his allowance that Helen was paying him from $600 a month to $4,000 a month, uh, which it's, I just looked at it like, what were you planning to like? what that is such an like he already had access to all of her money i don't know why he increased payments into his own bank account he's like instead of he's scum yeah that's why yeah he's total fucking scum yeah so the jury got to visit the house uh and they were shown like the property and the hidden suspect and uh, was informed by prosecutors that after tossing her in ian drove uh, covered it up and then drove his car over top of it so that people wouldn't look there. Uh, when the police came by, it wouldn't look suspicious to have a car there. Mm -hmm. So he covered it with the car so that people wouldn't look there and then basically sat back and laughed at the police as they launched a nationwide manhunt to find Helen. They oh. also played the 911 call for the jury where when asked for when the 911 operator asked Ian to describe his missing fiance. He couldn't even remember what eye color she had, her phone number, or her birthday. Oh which, my goodness! I mean, I can see how in 2017 he may not have like no, known no phone her number. phone number yeah. offhand. Um, and I know like most guys like don't really remember birthdays and yeah. like dates and stuff like that are not very good. But like her eye color, her eye, yeah. like you hadn't even been dating her, like or no, sorry. At this point, you guys have been together for five years. You're engaged. You supposedly love her a lot. I can't believe that there you, aren't that many eye colors for yeah, you to be confused you on what her just eye color said is. Brown. Yeah. And then like try to cover that lie up later. Uh, she had like think about what her hair color is. Like he just he didn't know how to describe his fiance. That's so, so that's like a man. little weird. Uh, Ian tried to claim uh, that he was innocent. Uh, he claimed that two men by the names of Nick and Jay had kidnapped Helen and her dog Boris while she was out walking. Then they told him not to tell the police or she would die and that they demanded $500,000 in ransom money, uh, which is why he was trying to sell all the properties and increase his allowance. Oh, but sure. it's like, what were you going to do? Just fucking hold on to that 4k for the next 15 years until you racked up the 50 K to and be able then to pay eventually, the ransom? Yeah, like, what no. oh my gosh like you're so you're so dumb so he claimed that he had spoken to her then he also claimed that he had spoken to her on a cell phone owned by one of the men which is how he's like claiming the like cell phone pinged off but he said that it was the the like the dude's phone he was better off just saying wife. i found her phone yeah, like probably but that would have made more sense um and but the prosecution was having none of that so they bring so they track down these two men that they think that he's talking about which 
uh, was Nick Cook, which happened to be their current next door neighbor, and then Joe Cipolo, which happened to be a neighbor from his previous home before he had moved. Uh, Ian stated that he did know both those men, but they were not the same men that kidnapped their wife. Just same and names. Just the same names. Yeah. I mean, it was just Nick and Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh my gosh. Uh, so. Uh, when the prosecutors gave their closing statements, uh, they really nailed in hard that Ian had grossly deceived Helen by taking advantage of her so that he could inherit her fortune. But his lawyers argued back that the prosecutors had only highly speculative theories and what possibly motives could he have had to kill his fiance who he loves so much and it's just like well the money obviously money because you literally try to get yeah, money out like, immediately after her body problem wasn't even cold before you were transferring those funds exactly. over exactly so like, obviously money yeah. obviously the money the four million dollars and who knows how much more that he probably would have been able to like get but either way so on February 22nd, 2017, the jury found Ian Stewart guilty on Helen Bailey's murder and was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 34 years, meaning that he'll be 90 years old by the time he's even eligible for parole. Good. But that's not all, because on August 21st, 2018, the police arrested Stewart, Ian Stewart again in, in questioning of the suspicion of his first wife's death because it was mysterious because death as well. she apparently suddenly died of epilepsy epilepsy back in 2010 and there is currently an ongoing pending investigation on that <sighs> my goodness so it's very possible because like when and he gained i think it was um almost fifty thousand dollars off of that death it was a life insurance policy of thirty three thousand dollars and then some other like like some other funds yeah from that wife's death and people just looked at it like he was money hungry like that he was just money hungry he he didn't have to kill his second wife yeah. though no he didn't need to he didn't need to she provided he, him with everything he needed and mm-hmm. he was just a piece of shit but like maybe it was some a situation where he probably couldn't like keep it up like I like I don't know. In my mind, he had it good, and he did. He ruined it, and he. I want to know what the trigger was because he yeah. was with her for a long time too. And, but he had been poisoned. Like he was drugging her for, for three months, at least three months. Oh. They they only know about it for the three months. They don't know what was happening before that. And he's just like never happened. And then fuck you. Yeah. So that's my story on the death of Helen, uh, who was poisoned by her husband. Probably for making more money than him. Uh, or just like, in general, just for money. Yeah, Doesn't it, was, even matter. it was just for money. But yeah. like Sherilyn Kenyon, uh, the person who was being poisoned by her husband, that one was because like he, she was making more money. Yeah, that was, was. I did see that yeah. one. That was such garbage. Total crap. Um, uh, I, lots of guys I know will be very happy to be yeah. a kept man. Let's be for real. I know a lot of guys were like, yeah, 100% <laughs> would be okay with that. I don't know where these guys are coming from. Where they're like, no. And I'm like, um, Listen, you can just make in, more money if, if you feel. If it bothers you that much, if it makes you feel that inferior, go find another woman. Yeah, You're the one go that find someone this else. woman down. Yeah, like, go find someone else. If you feel that inadequate, just leave and find someone else. Or, or hey, buddy, how about you just go? Go write your own book 
and try to be I don't amass want, your own millions of I don't, dollars. I don't want the very rich, rich woman to be with that man anymore, though. So I'd, I'd hope that he'd just leave. But then she, I guess she'd have to yeah, give but him he would probably, half her wealth. Well, they weren't even married yet. They oh. were just engaged. Then he just really just had, oh my goodness. Yeah, just, like he was living it up. He had like, but and it was five years. It wasn't like he had only, like he did a long game. Yeah. But there was probably just something going on. Like, I don't know what the maybe trigger she was, was because he denies it yeah. all the way to the fucking end. Maybe she started realizing something and she was going to leave him and he just. He just liked to kill his wives. Mm-hmm. Like. Or soon to be well, wives. Well, yeah. Reportedly. It's Reportedly. not proven that he killed his first but he, wife. But, but he for sure killed that second. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So going to my story, this story was really hard for me to write because I had heard this story so much when I was in high school. Uh It was very close to where I went to school. And it was like one of those stories that we just talked about a Mm -hmm. lot and it became a movie and I'll mention the movie at the end. But okay, so there's um, a 17 year old student named Stuart Tay who was from a family of means. His father was a doctor. And had moved from Singapore to an 8,000 square foot custom made house in an exclusive section in the city of Orange, oh, which is a pretty like, you know, it's not like it's not like it's not like Malibu, but it's definitely still a really nice neighborhood. Okay? An up and coming nice neighborhood. Yes. And all of this happens in schools that are like kind of similar to how I went to school where it was, where it, was it was mostly predominantly very, very Asian. Okay. So Dr. Tay moved his family to the U.S. and provided them with luxuries for a more prosperous life. Like he was one of he was one of those parents who just kind of gave everything his kids wanted because Aww. yeah. What was that like? So Stewart was a former Boy Scout, an honor student at Foothill High School, and a founder of the Asian Culture Club who had hoped to attend a top-ranking college in the following fall. Mm-hmm. He, told, he, he told his teachers that he wished to be a doctor like his father, and while his early admission application to Princeton had been deferred, he hoped that his high, um, high school resume would be enough to ultimately admit him. Because, you know, he was a really good student, and mm-hmm. he had extra... Every Asian person that I went to school with basically had this resume and this background. Not the rich background as much, yeah. but, like, the very, like, you know, went to very good... Is going to go to a very good school, has really good grades. Expectations. Very high expectations, because, you know, they... That's what you grow up being told. Yes. He was one of the last people you would expect to be seduced by the idea of committing a crime. But usually that's what happens. So he soon met 18-year-old Sunny Hill high school student Robert Chen Nan Chan. And they created a scheme to rob a computer parts dealer in Anaheim, California. And... Robert was also from a good family. His dad was an engineer. He was an honor roll student and aspirations to go to a good university. So they had a very similar background of like good family, lots of money, you know, whatever. But it doesn't matter. You still want to steal shit. You still want to steal shit. So despite their very normal lives, they both yearned for respect. Stewart boasted that he was a local crime boss, you know, Lord, who like sold weapons. And Robert was telling his classmates and anyone that would listen that he had ties to the Wachin, which is a national Chinese mafia. They're like the Chinese mafia in like America, I think, Mm -hmm. maybe China as well. But yeah. So Robert had previously threatened to shoot up um, the home and beaten up a fellow student because that student had apparently said disparaging remarks about the Wachin mafia. So he had like a, temper like he had a very violent streak about him is what 
Yeah. Explosive, so, explosive uh, violence there. But there was never any concrete evidence of Robert or any of the Sunny Hills students having ties in the mafia. Like the police okay. officers were like, we've never heard of anyone being involved in that mafia from this area. But mm-hmm. it's one of those. That doesn't necessarily that doesn't mean, that mean that it's anything. Not happening. It yeah. just means that the police don't know. And like, I think like just like to quickly review it, um, the gang element wasn't completely impossible as asian gangs are different from other gangs yeah they dress conservatively do well in school hold jobs don't have tattoos or spray paint or graffiti in their neighborhood yeah because their parents can't ever know yeah and it's because most gang turfs are like turf related like it's like this is my turf but not asian gangs they're criminal enterprises so they get they're basically get together to commit robberies and burglaries like that's usually yeah. what the Chinese mafia does, which is my only real idea of what that's like is watching Fast and Furious. Yeah, okay, because so, I was getting the Fast and Furious feel too, but I was just like, one, I'm like, that's all I could think of. I can't of. sit here and be like, oh, so are like they that? stealing cars and stuff like that? But I and think like, yeah, but I think like that's that's trucks. what I think that's what the Chinese mafia is more about. It's like the Probably. criminal elements and not like this is my turf. Like, don't yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, so. Um, Robert recruited four of his other schoolmates to pull off this crime because they needed more people. Hmm. So he recruited Abraham Acosta, who was 16 years old, Kern Kim, 16, Mun King, 17, and Charles Choi, 17. And they're all boys and they're all teenagers and they all went to the same school except for Stuart who went to a different school. So none of them had any prior criminal records or any sort of so disciplinary. How did, he, like, how did he recruit them then? Because they were friends. He just, oh. they're, they're his friends. And you know, like when you have that kind of attitude, yeah. you, you know other friends who will follow you. Friends are friends that just like got together. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. Soon the five Sunny Hills high school students started becoming suspicious of Stuart and found that he had lied about his age and his name. Because he had saved, because you said you liked, you know, like, like fake identities. He said his name was Martin Gore which is actually the name of the keyboardist from Depeche Mode, his favorite band. I mean, anybody can have the name Martin Gore. Yeah. Like, he could have been adopted. You don't know. I mean, well, it's just... <laughs> and on top of that, he went to a different um, like high school, so they didn't... They kind of knew each other, but like, so at that yeah. point he became, it, it just, it was like, you're going to go based off of what that person said their name is. And that's it. And you don't, yeah. you don't question okay. it. Same with the neighbors on my story. But then they became afraid that Stuart turned him in and because they, Stuart knew all of their real names, but they figured out that he had been lying. And so they're like, well, shit. So they hatched a plan. And you know what that plan usually leads to because this is the right podcast for someone dying. <laughs> Someone's gonna die. There's always a plan to kill someone. Why so, are we always having people that plan shit out? Well, it's not murder unless you plan it. <laughs> so on New Year's Eve on 1992, Ooh, New Year's Eve. Stuart told his parents that he had some errands to run and left in his Christmas present, a cherry red Nissan 300ZX, which is oh. a rather nice sports car uh, yeah like this is Merry Christmas. really Here's pushing the fact that he comes from a very well-off family oh, yeah. you know he doesn't need they have the means there's no reason that he has to go steal things no it's a, just it's that it's like, a compulsion it's a compulsion and it's uh what's the word oh my gosh it's like acting out. Yeah. It's like it's it's how he's gonna act out because like he's he, been such a good student. He and can't he's act model out in every other way, way. So this is his way. But this is a this is allowed, and it's like it's his version of acting out because like in a lot of cases they 
and says they don't need the money and it's not about the money no it's, it's not just, it's just about doing something bad yeah and so the errand that he just said he was he was gonna go do was to meet the sunny hill students and that's how i'm gonna describe them because the rest of them are all sunny hill students except for Stuart tay okay and they were meeting at the buena park residence of abraham acosta or acosta um and the group was meeting in the backyard. And this all kind of happens. It happened in like my general neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like um, I went to school in Cerritos. And Cerritos is about like 20 minutes away from Buena Park. 20 minutes away from Fullerton. Like there are tons of people who so like, I had been friends with. Who had friends in those. I had friends yeah. who went to Sunny Hills. Yeah. Like it's, you know, the high school is still there. It's very, it's very close to home for you. Yeah, it's it's very hometowny. I feel. But this <laughs> is, we grew up hearing the story because i went to a school predominantly asian people and this was something that happened by an asian victim but predominantly asian you know offenders oh see that so that's that's what and also like ideal kids yeah so while stewart was looking into a metal box that was supposedly contained a gun robert and abraham struck stewart in the head with a baseball bat and sledgehammer and they're doing this because they were he lied about, his, about name. his name. Yep, that was it. Because they were afraid that he had been he, lying oh, about okay. his name because he yeah. was going to turn them in. Or, or yeah, so they were afraid that he was a snitch or he was yeah. an undercover cop or something. Or maybe not I mean, an undercover cop, yeah, but just in but, general. Sorry, I was. Why did you lie? Kind Hollywood brain yeah. So the boys hit him about for about twenty minutes oh while gosh. he begged for his life. Oh my gosh, twenty <laughs> minutes is such a long time. It is like. If you were to say they hit him for two minutes, I'd be like, while he begged for his life, I'd be like, like twenty minutes of hearing someone like a, it's an entire TV show basically. Like watching an episode of Bob's Burgers, but then that entire episode of Bob's Burgers like, is someone yelling and it, saying, "Please stop killing me!" And it's someone hitting someone else for twenty minutes. Yes, like, I mean maybe it was there's spaced two out of them, but they were, still, yeah, maybe it was spaced out and they were like doing it and like who are you what's your real name and they were like interrogating him maybe like I don't so know. kern acted as a lookout while mun and charles were in another room and they could hear stewart screaming what did i do to you because he didn't know yeah and so due to the fear of being turned in by stewart for a robbery that had not happened yet because robbery nope hasn't no, happened because they fucking jumped him before they even got the shit yep they planned to kill stewart to be rid of the problem before before the problem happened. Okay, so they already were planning to kill, to kill him to... because they found out his feet lied about his name. So they didn't what? go okay. along with the plan for robbing the computer's parts store yet. <sighs> so they decided to kill him first before doing anything else to get rid of any evidence. And it's the day of the robbery? No. Oh, okay, sorry. Just, I, they I, were meeting to I, plan. I thought they were meeting to get ready to go do the, the, the robbery. It, it doesn't, they didn't specify yeah. that, but I think they were just planning okay. it. Okay. So the Sunny Hill students made preparations before the murder, which is, that, that's how you know it's super premeditated, because they had dug a grave t- the day before. They dug up the oh, grave in the backyard yeah, that's, of no, that's, Abraham's that's not house. Good. That's not a good sign. They also purchased... In the back gl- of his house? In the, in the backyard of his house oh, is where a grave was. Oh, my God. That's... They also purchased gloves to leave no fingerprints and re- re- rehearsed the murder to make sure things would go smoothly. These are not good kids. No. But Stewart did not Who die was immediately. The leader? Who was it, the leader of these ones? Was it... It was um, Robert, Robert, for sure. That's what they're going to start pointing out okay, in the okay, end. Okay, sorry. So Stuart did not die immediately from the head trauma. So the other students and some people say just Robert 
forced Stuart to drink rubbing alcohol and then taped his no, mouth shut. No, 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 no. He died from asphyxiation expi- no. on vomit and was buried in the backyard in a pre-dug grave. So Abraham took the one hundred dollars that was in Stuart's wallet because you want to make now you need to figure out what to do with everything. Yeah. Wearing gloves, Kern then drove Stuart's car to Compton to give the impression that Stuart had been hi- carjacked, and it's actually not that stupid. Yeah, it's, that's actually a pretty good. That's thought out mm-hmm. at least. Then Charles pointed the blame on Robert, saying that he dug the grave and poured the rubbing alcohol down Stuart's throat, saying that it wasn't all of them; it was just Robert. Yeah. Um, and it was because Robert did this because he was angered that Stuart was still alive. Like, how dare he still be alive after twenty minutes of beating? So oh, sorry, I sorry, know. I'm not dying fast enough so, for you. So by like, 9 p.m. that night, because you know harder. he's Asian, and my parents also freaked out around that time. Stuart's parents became worried and yeah. started basically beeping him and calling all of his friends looking for him because yeah. they're like, "Where the fuck is Stuart?" Yeah. So then I an, would too. Yeah. So an hour later, the police found his Nissan stripped in an alley because you know if you leave a really nice car in kind of a like a yeah. down like a more yeah, yeah they, people know in a cheaper that. neighborhood that's what you do and i think the police had once said that if they had left the body in the car and left it in compton this case probably would have never been you know found out because but they buried him because they buried him in the ga- backyard then you have a body in someone's backyard and it's like obviously yeah. it was you and i mean they had the gloves and everything like that but maybe they were still worried about like dna evidence or in whatever. the car and that's the reason why they wore gloves yeah to drop the car off I mean, as well they th- they thought they were pre they were pretty good with their premeditation, uh, but it was a little sloppy. Yeah, I mean they're still kids, and you can't still... bury them on your own property. Don't <laughs> you got to bury them somewhere else because if they bury them on your property, you're the first one they're gonna look at. Well, they you know what's really messed up? They buried him in the only non Asian person's backyard because Abraham Acosta is literally the only non Asian in this whole whole thing isn't that fucked up oh my god i I was reading and i was like so did they choose him on purpose or was that or did he choose it i don't know like why was no you go to a forest and then later later on that forest can burn there's no trees there what are you talking about oh i don't know i've never been down there there's not there's not a lot of greenery but you go to no you can't really go to a park there's actually not that many trees we brought off with dropping off on a highway. Really? really I mean, I don't know. I've never been there, so I don't. It's like where I I'm lived. used to like this where there's I guess like there's, a forest. There's like, like sort some... of a forest area in one of the parks, but it's not I mean, like, it's not like this. There's no like dumb... crazy trail yeah. kind of things. I mean, it's, it's a good thing that they, that they buried the body in the backyard because they were able to get it. Yes. But yes, it, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that if they had just left the body out in the open, they probably that it gotten away wouldn't with have it. gotten caught. Yeah, they probably would have gotten away. And that's what the police officer yeah, actually said that's, during one of the interviews. That's so. That's listen, police officers. That's not something that you, you should, should be admitting to. Like that's that's really sad. <laughs> so by this time, the Sunny Hill students had split up. Abraham and Mun saying that they went to parties later that night. 
Hmm. Where did they actually go to parties? Yeah, they just split up and they left because New Year's Eve. So. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Sorry, New Year's. So the Tays hired a private investigator to figure out what happened to their son because you know, like they yeah. have money and obviously they, they really fucking to. care. And about because their they're son. rich. Yeah, they're rich enough to actually hire someone, so they obviously would. No, would they have? No, because the car got stripped. No, yeah. because I would have. Why didn't they just do it where like the son ran off? Like that would have been a. These are kids. <laughs> oh, right. Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're like 16, I mean, 16 17. Yeah, but 16-year-olds run off all the time. He could have like sold yeah. everything from There's that also car. also pre-internet but too, Yeah, right? yeah, so. yeah. Plus, I mean, and, he yeah. was rich. He probably wasn't unhappy. So <laughs> it took police three days to track down the suspects and arrest them. But they didn't actually figure it out from the body dumping. They actually found it, figured it out because teenagers are teenagers. And they, and they fucking talk. Yeah. So one of the key facts that made this murder so difficult from others was the fact that so many students had known about what was happening before the murder happened and had done nothing about it. But it makes sense because someone saying, I'm going to murder that guy in high school, you don't believe him. But it's also like, you know that there's there's always that one person that's like, Ax- you never want to be that one person, but maybe you should be the one person that just goes and tells someone. Yeah. Because they could be serious. But snitches get yeah. stitches. It's, and on top of that, yeah, Robert had up right beaten up and threatened to shoot up that one guy's house yeah. for saying one wrong thing. So it's yeah. like, fear is a really big factor, I think, too. Yeah. And then one of the police officers and students said, we talked to so many kids who said, I know a friend who knows a friend who knows what happened kind of thing. Gossip that's high school related. Hearsay. He Mm -hmm. said, she said. So one student, Greg Temesvari, who was friends with everyone involved, said he heard Robert ask Kern if he would dispose of a body and heard Robert talk to Abraham, Abraham about killing someone okay lee roberts the pi initially theorized that robert attacked stewart due to issues over a girl who refused to date robert but it wasn't true it's just a theory that was, yeah i mean it's just it's you're yeah. looking for theories and you're looking for like and you always try to throw like a personal and you always throw a girl it's in there. always a girl yeah <laughs> lee was the one who tracked down and interviewed Greg, like figured out like Greg might know something mm-hmm. and passed the necessary information to the police officers. So the PI really did help this investigation Good. because police officers, I get it. They're very, they other stuff yeah, they have a lot of other stuff to do. Whereas a PI would be able to focus just on your case. And that's, and yeah. they probably, PIs can go about it in a different They don't have to way. do anything legally yeah. as much because police officers are supposed to, uh, do more stay legal by the book. things because yes. <laughs> they get in way more trouble for it and you get yeah. personally accountable. Like, yeah. Because it can come back and bite your investigation in the ass if a cop is yes. uh, like has some misconduct and anything like that, and you're not going to risk your case. And on top of that, you risk case. every other case you've yeah. ever done if you ever get caught doing anything else. Exactly. So after the police interviewed Greg, the whole case became clear. The true story started to unfold. Okay. Greg said in an interview to the Tribune, "I figured out who killed him. I knew everything that was going on." He said he didn't tell anyone because look what happened to Stuart. He got killed and that was just for lying about his name. Ooh, that's that's so that's on the nose of why he wouldn't come forward and say anything because it's yeah. like, well, he just literally murdered someone. Because you're not, dealing with the mafia. Well, you're maybe. De- well, yeah, yeah, you're dealing with the potentially with the Chinese mafia. But also a very unstable individual who just killed someone. Yes. So, yeah, I, yeah like, I see I see what he's saying right there. 
You're gonna you're gonna sit down and you're not gonna say anything, uh, and you're gonna hope that you don't ever get put. You don't ever have your friends dig your grave. Mm-hmm. Like he also said, it wasn't that unusual for boys who were already wealthy to be planning a robbery because you can never have too much money. Oh, true. <laughs> and said this really kind of sad thing and said it's a good thing I was on vacation or else I might have been involved too, just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You and know what? That, that, that's true. Yeah. And when asked if he had done something, if he had, he would have done something to stop the murder, he honestly replied, probably not. And no. I can't, I understand where he comes from for that. Because this dude was just murdered people. for lying for, about his name. And so like, yeah, I could see. Just. This isn't a situation where I'm wondering why no one came to the police like last time. Yeah. With the Burger King murder where I was like, why did nobody yeah. fucking say anything? But it's just like. It's hey. like this guy was unstable, had been at other people and had yeah. killed this guy and tri- and disposed, literally did everything. Disposed the body, covered yeah. the evidence, did everything. So it's like he's really thinking some st- things through, which is a lot. Not his first time. Yeah. And if it is, holy. I mean, it may be his first time. It's not the first time he's seen it done. Yeah. And and if it is, I mean, I could be wrong there too. I mean, who the fuck knows? knows? That is horrifying. Yep. Kids are so scary. (laughs) So when they, they were waiting to be booked, Lieutenant Tim Brown would say about them, there wasn't any emotion like emotions there was no remorse no anguish not even any fear One is of the- that now our emotions with like teenage asian boy like is that not typical you're supposed to kind of hide it yeah you're supposed to kind of just take it and hide it because i feel like grief and all of those emotions are but not you, you acceptable still, you emotions. still but you, you still you still feel it you're supposed but I mean, to just because you feel it doesn't necessarily mean that you're pro portray it but see the well, extra thing yeah, was okay. one of the boys sat shackled to the chair doing his calculus homework i mean priorities whatever yeah gotta go to school man gotta the, have that education the difference between this and all the other murders that we kind of cover is the fact that like i do think that asian shame is one of those things i really strongly believe in because they all pled guilty instead of you know, like, I really hate it when you're guilty and you're like, no, but I didn't do it. And then yeah. fucking drag and on then, a trial. Yeah. No. And then you try to tell some bullshit story that it was, oh, she got kidnapped yeah, or whatever. Bullshit. These two random mm, dudes. I know. So Albert pled guilty to first degree murder and was tried as a juvenile in exchange for acting as a key prosecution witness. So I he felt- was the first to talk and got a more lenient sentencing. And I, I think something is said about like, once you get caught, just fucking, you got caught. Yeah. Like you're going to serve a time. If you can get, if you can do a crime and not get caught, I mean, kudos, fuck you for doing the crime. But like if, but when you get caught, own up. Yeah. Just own up to it. Yeah. Like that's it. You're done done now. But I mean. It's because so many people can get free, even if you lie. Yeah, but I mean, I bet you these pro- fucking kids probably could have gotten free too. And, but nope. they were like, you know what? No. No. And their parents were, pro- their parents parents were probably parents were probably like, like no. 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 You can either You've go already slandered to jail this or, or you can die in this here. house. Yeah. And you know what? I don't I don't disagree with that parenting. So yeah, I can't no. even say anything <laughs> yeah, about it. Like, they were probably far more scared of their parents than they were these police officers um because they were like 
you brought shit like yeah no like you really just brought a ton of shame and shit into this family yeah, you dishonored your family and that's that is a i'm learning that that is a big it's big deal. deal is a big deal so mun also pled guilty kern and abraham were convicted of first degree murder abraham being convicted of ambushing albert while kern was acquitted of that charge because he didn't ambush him Abraham was the only non-Asian member of the group and was described as slow and kind of weird by his classmates, which is what they try to use as, you know, his defense. While his public defender said that her client was slow, another source said that he's not nearly as stupid as they're making him out to be. No. So he was probably like a normal like, kid. Yeah, he's probably slower comparatively to the computer genius Asians. Yeah, but I little... mean, or maybe he just played it up more because he thought maybe he can get away with it and maybe get sent what a much yeah. smaller sentencing, which I would also do, I guess, if I knew something bad was going to yeah, happen. I guess it depends on not how really they're, sure. they're defining slow. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh. So anyways, even though Abraham had taken the $100 from Stuart's wallet, he was also acquitted of charges of killing for financial gain because it didn't really seem like that's what it was. Yeah. He just took the money because he wants to make it look like it was a robbery, and it yeah. was already there. It's, he it's didn't there. kill him for the financial gain. Yeah, he killed him. He was already there, and he was already dead. For so fun, he took the money. Basically, that's sort of how I'm taking it. Yeah, respect. So Abraham was sent to a California Youth Authority facility. Charles was also sent to a CYA and was released when he turned 25 because he's the one who talked. So he got out faster. Mm -hmm. Kern and Munn were sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. They both asked the courts to be sent to a CYA, CYA system, like a juvenile system, but was denied due to the severity of the crime. Mm -hmm. Good. But in 2012, Kern Kim was granted parole. And his parole was due to the fact that he had no previous criminal record, yeah. had not been involved in gangs, drugs, or alcohol, and furthered his education while in prison and also caused no trouble while he was in prison. So, yeah. you know, I think that they decided at that point maybe he had enough remorse about what he happened. Like, you, your brain does develop a lot from the time you were 16. Was he one of the ones that, like, that he's attacked the one, it? He's the one, um, he was the lookout guy, and he's so, the one who dropped out the car. Yeah, I mean... He was in still that involved case, in he it, was involved. However, but, he never killed anybody. Yeah. And it, it was probably a situation of do it or be killed. Yeah. And if they really, like, if they honestly really believe that Robert was like, had ties to the mafia, there is a real and present like fear there too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's free now, but you know, I, I get it. Like he lives his life now. So during, um, the person that like seemed to be the ringleader, like they all pointed a finger to was yeah. Robert. Yeah. That's the person you make, you choose I mean, one person. He's you, in the backyard. Yeah. And you choose <laughs> the one person you can. And he's the, like him and Abraham were the ones who like attacked mm -hmm. Stuart. But yeah, it probably was Robert though. But it was probably Robert who was in charge of the whole thing. So during trial, he denied masterminding the murder and said that he believed that Stuart had put explosives in his house and would kill. Um, and if he hadn't killed Stuart, Stuart would have killed him. And that's why he had to kill Stuart. But he just said that he wasn't the one that masterminded it. So. No, but he's saying that like, well, that's the reason why we had to kill Stuart. Though. Yeah. All of us had to kill Stuart. We all had to do it because he was going to blow up my, my house. house. Yes. I oh, don't know why. Man. You know, the imagination of teenagers. I, I'm like, it was probably a situation where like he probably said, you know, I'm gonna blow up your whole house. Like, but like, he did beat up the guy after. It's so just, you know, something. he said he would blow. He wow. would. Yeah, who knows? But 
the juror of the trial, like a juror of the trial who was anonymous said there was no doubt that he was the mastermind. He tried to lie and blame others for it. But if there was no Robert Chan, Stuart Tay would still be alive today. Mm-hmm. On May 3rd, 1994, Robert Chan was convicted of first degree murder. The jury took less than three hours to reach the verdict. And it was because he, um, you know, he came out and said he did it. That's really yeah. what it was. I mean, yeah. He said, he did it. He a juror it. said, I was surprised at how fast the verdict took, but there really wasn't nothing to decide. He'd gone on the witness stand and said he did it and he knew what he was doing. It's like the prosecutor said he convicted himself. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know what? I appreciate that fact. Yeah, no, I, I you really didn't drag do. on the situation. You admit it to your fault, and you're gonna. Take, Why did it take three hours for the fucking jury to come back? Who knows? Like, I, I think it, I think it's like trying to figure out what his um what he should get for doing probably it. suggestions, and I think that's the only thing. Do they do that? I thought the judge I think does the jury that. suggests what they should. And there's do, probably more than one then, murder, yeah, or more than one uh, charge and stuff like that. So yeah, they probably have to mm-hmm. vote on each individual one and everything. So Robert was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Good. In 1995, Alfred and Linda Tay, which are Stewart's parents, were awarded by the courts over one million from four of the killers and a hundred thousand from a fifth killer. They didn't say who the killers and which ones they got, but they basically got 1.1 million dollars from the whole thing. Um, Good. The murder was known as the honor roll kill murder because they're all honor roll yeah. students. But and it sounds OC good registry in the media. And time because it sounds really good and no it does the and it's a real eye catcher because you're like you don't expect those kinds of people to be doing something like this no and it was no due, one ever does it was due to overachieving and studious nature of the participants involved many of the perpetrators had planned to attend elite colleges and universities including Ivy Leaf schools like they were on track to yeah, at least you these know, were quote unquote good kids yes uh, and they didn't look though they, they didn't, didn't look the part they, they didn't, didn't look, nothing about them fit the profile of uh, a troubled child who yeah. was gonna go kill someone yeah um with potential like they didn't look like potential mafia no. people like and and they had money so why would they think that they'd be criminals like would. go and steal things yeah. like it's just it's it's kids being kids trying to look cool in front of their friends and they get caught up in the wrong crowd maybe um or it's like the way that they they blow off their steam. Like I don't know because I don't know. I'm not. There Asian, is a lot of so pressure. There is a lot of pressure put on and, like a lot of good grades and stuff, yeah. and always doing better than everyone else. And you know, I'm not saying all kids who have good grades are obviously good people or anything like that. Mm. But usually, um, you do have a lot of stress because of it too. And yeah. I think like it was it's one very of those, demanding. Yeah, and it's one of those things where like. Um, I went to a school with a lot of overachieving like Asian kids and I was like, holy fuck, like this is what it's like. So Renee Lynch of the LA Times said that sophisticated murder scheme and the sheer senselessness of the killing grabbed headlines from the start. OC residents were shocked because the assailants and the victim were such unlikely suspects. Yeah, because it really it it really is a situation where like people think that kids that do this kind of thing look are always yeah or act a certain way or have or bad like parenting or something and like grow up in the wrong side and it's like no even people with all the advantages in the world 
uh, who grew up in the with the right name and in the right area can still end up being a total piece of shit that gets upset one day and decides, you know what, I'm just gonna go kill somebody. I did read in a comment that some people obviously want to blame someone, and he said like, oh well, just because his parents had a lot of money didn't mean that he came from a good family. You know, he just. Like Nobody they probably just them. bought him everything he wanted, but they didn't, they weren't really there. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Every family nothing, has their own shit. Yeah, and that doesn't excuse nothing anyone's that they behavior. did. Like they're they're in my opinion, they were still good parents. They cared. They figured out their kid was missing very quickly. Mm-hmm. And you know, I like it's it was a very unfortunate situation. Is yeah. really what it was. But I remember this because obviously this happened in 1992 when I was too young to remember this murder, and we had to move to that area until I was in high school. Wait, no. Uh, until 1990 I think around the same time I moved there but I was really young but in 2002 when I was in high school um Justin Lin who that who did the third fourth and fifth Fast and the Furious movies Mm -hmm. um directed a movie called Better Luck Tomorrow starring Sung King and John Cho Mm -hmm. and it was and it was about it was very loosely based on this murder. And that's when, when this movie came out, everyone in my school talked about it because first of all, we never see any movies with like people who are Asian in the entire cast. And secondly, of them doing something bad, that's like, we're always, you know what I mean? We're always typecast as like the good kids. So to see like, Mm -hmm. I guess like this, and then also find out it was a real murder that it was loosely based on. Obviously there was like different things happening in that one, in the movie instead, but creative allegiance and it was very he even said it was very loosely based on it he was reading the headlines he followed the story and Mm -hmm. then he decided to direct a movie about the story a little bit but yeah Yeah. i thought it was just super interesting because like it was one of those stories that i remember as a kid because everyone talked about it in school it's just like yeah it's shocking it's something that's gonna send waves like shock waves through everything because like all the other parents are gonna be like are you like were you involved yeah like everybody then has to like reevaluate their child because all of them were like they were what all, they know about their child yeah it's like not only were they doing having good grades they're also like community leaders they were like yeah. ymca counselors they were like doing a ton of other stuff so you just never expect these kinds of kids yeah to be doing that because you assume they're gonna be too busy i hate people in london sometimes oh man Sorry to everybody that has to listen to that fucking car horn that's like not stopping. I guess why the- is it not stopping? Oh, oh. there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I literally thought at some point like maybe they fell asleep on the. Did I someone? Don't I don't know. I was, I was starting to think maybe there was a car accident. Maybe I should not be bitchy about it. <laughs> Stop ruining my no, podcast. You, you hear you you can hear it when we heard a car accidents here. You always hear, it, and then we run out. It's <laughs> for asshole. Everybody wants to see a car crash. Yeah. But um, an interesting artifact was the fact that the movie Better Luck Tomorrow was only able, it was only greenlit because of the backing of MC Hammer. Interesting. <laughs> why? Because apparently Justin Lin couldn't get the funding for the movie. Yeah, but why MC Hammer? He he seemed interested. Like he, he had given MC Hammer a script, yeah. had read it. He was like, oh, that sounds cool. And uh-huh. he was in like, he was literally like, I might as well ask. And yeah. sometimes you might as well ask. You and then always ask. And then you started off his career and then he did all those Fast and the Furious movies mm-hmm. and now he's doing a ton of other great stuff. So good for him. Good. Yeah, I know. Great for him. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, yeah. 
No, I liked him. The movie was good, though. I remember I watched it when I was in high school, and it was really good. I've never seen it. Yeah, but it's, you know. But it probably didn't make its way to... No, it didn't make it to mainstream to <laughs> movie theaters, and I doubt it. So thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're still alive next week to listen to our podcast and you're not bored with us or mad at us for something. <laughs> like and review us and rate us please rate us and review us i'd really appreciate it and you can listen to us on a lot of things like itunes google yeah well i mean if they're already listening to us they're already listening to us angela if they're listening listen to to us and rate us as well because we really appreciate it yes and we'll see you guys next week Bye. bye